Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. With Halloween now upon us, I've been thinking a lot lately about the costumes I wore as a kid going trick-or-treating. Basically, as I recall, it was pretty much an endless series of clowns and hobos, because let's be honest, I was in it for the candy, and as much of it as possible. But there was the year I pasted leaves all over a green garbage bag, put a hole in the top of it, pulled it over my head, and went as a pile of leaves, complete, I might add, with a rake that we'd spray-painted gold. I actually won a prize for that one. It was a school prize. Granted, it was for the prettiest costume, which is not the kind of prize I wanted as a 10-year-old boy, but there was a trophy involved, so it was all good. Actually, though, one of my earliest childhood memories is that of a classroom Halloween party when I was in kindergarten, in which I was dressed up as a dog, specifically a collie. As I recall, it wasn't that elaborate as costumes go just a molded paper mask that we'd bought at a neighborhood store, the kind with two holes cut where the eyes are supposed to be and a rubber band to hold it up to your face. But even now, what I remember about that costume is that when I put that mask on, I felt transformed. With that mask in place, I was a dog, growling, barking, and rescuing wayward children in danger, just like Lassie did on TV every Sunday night. You know, I even at the age of five, I had an overactive imagination. I was convinced that with such a great disguise, no one in my kindergarten class would ever recognize me. But alas, when the time came for each one of us to be unmasked before our classmates, our teacher asked if anyone could guess who it was behind the Lassie mask. Everybody, and I mean everybody, shouted out, It's Mike! How do they know? Were my growls and barking not convincing enough? Did my dog sounds carry with it a main accent that gave me away? Or could it have been the telltale brown sweater I was wearing? Whatever it was, I remember feeling mildly disappointed that the other children had discovered my true identity so quickly. I may have felt like a dog, even tried to act like a dog, but I was still me, and they all knew it. I guess it's true that a mask can never fully hide who you really are. Over the years, that memory has become something of a parable for me. A reminder of the fact that even as grown-up people, there are still times that we put on a mask. So that we might cover ourselves up or become someone else for a while. Or at least put forth a new and improved version of ourselves. It's true. For fear that someone might actually see our true selves, we put on a new face, one that will hide what we don't like about ourselves or that which we think others will, would find unattractive about us. This is especially true as regards our relationship with God and, in all honesty, it's sometimes the way we approach our involvement in the church as well. Not the telltales out of school or out of worship, as the case may be, but as a pastor, I've heard it countless times the fervent hope and mostly sincere desire that in engaging in some quick newfound spiritual discipline 
it might compensate for a lifetime of bad choices or self-destructive behaviors. Now, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not judging or dismissing such practices. We Christians, in fact, are big-time believers in redemption, and I've seen just how powerful a commitment to spiritual growth can be in turning a life around. But I do wonder how easily such good intentions become the way we try to cover ourselves up before God, the mask that seeks to cover up our flaws, that which would blend out the blemishes that stand out in our lives and and tries to change our living so that we will be more attractive before God than, well, than we really are. Fortunately, covering up is not what's at the heart of our Christian faith. In my mind, the greatest spiritual growth begins in recognizing and affirming who we are before God. With our virtue and our transgressions laid open and bare before this one who desires, as the psalmist writes, truth in our inward being. The one who is both loving and merciful unto us, even with all our faults. This is not about our trying to make ourselves look brand new before God, because that never works. As the psalmist has also said, we know our transgression and our sin is ever before us. And it's ever before God. No, no matter the mask we choose to wear, we cannot hide ourselves from God. But the good news is that God is relentless in seeking us out even when we try. This is because God longs to know us and love us as we truly are. To be reconciled with us and to renew a loving relationship with us so that in the end, there's nothing to hide, nothing to cover up before God. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that perhaps our greatest blessing from God is that we are loved unconditionally just as we are, but we're loved enough that we don't stay that way. By grace, we are recreated with a clean heart, with a new and right spirit placed within us, and we're filled up anew with the joy of God's salvation and the willing spirit to live in a new way, a way that's forged in love, in faith, and in joy, so that there's no need for any kind of mask at all. And that's it for another installment of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry. I thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless you with both a great All Saints Eve and All Saints Day. Talk to you soon.